Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Ternaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. We've demonstrated over the past two years that economic and business cycles can importantly help us anticipate future events months ahead of them moving front and center. Paying attention to key cyclical trends, as many of our listeners have seen firsthand, allows us to prepare to not only preserve our retirement funds and present lifestyles, but guides us in moving ahead more smoothly in our job and career plans. So far in the past year, our podcasts have given an early heads up on high inflation, rapidly increasing interest rates, a stock market crash, and now an oncoming real estate crash, particularly in the markets that appreciated the most in the past two or more years. Our podcast ambitions from the beginning have been more modest in that we accepted a mission to help you understand how global economic trends both fit together, change, and allow early identification of threats and opportunities. As mentioned in early podcasts, we don't pretend to be super smart or the owner of an accurate crystal ball. The key is to pay attention to the really important data, which is often hidden from view by the agendas of politicians and the 24 by 7 media drama cycles. For 15 to 20 minutes every two weeks, we present you with our best appraisals of what's just over the horizon to give you time for thought, consideration, and importantly, preparation. The sources are not only the data itself, but the thinking of highly successful managers and consultants who direct investment flows of the thousand or so ultra-large money pools existing throughout the world. You're the judge of the value of our bi-weekly sharing, which is now in the third year. Don't be shy about telling me what you think, please. The bi-weekly question is always, what's ahead? Let's get to that. Few will admit we are in an economic position with no precedent. Even our teams of expert resources are concerned about the convergence of market and political chaos as future outcomes can range from World War III to global inflation and currency devaluation to serious increases in social instability. A soft landing in the economy at this point would be a miracle not an expectation. Here's the most unique and dangerous position we're in from an economic and finance perspective. We have historically high inflation now of over 8% officially, which is more likely 12 to 15% in reality. We have over $30 trillion of government debt that needs refinancing constantly. We have a Federal Reserve that is not only tightening the money supply, but selling rather than buying parts of its $8 trillion portfolio of government and mortgage-related securities. They are on a mission to drop the high inflation, but in a word, all of this together is dysfunctional. doesn't work. To bring up an old movie title, Something Has to Give, let me explain a bit more. The Fed has only controlled inflation when it has increased interest rates to higher rates than their official inflation. Remember the late 70s and early 80s? Inflation was close to today's levels when today is adjusted to how we measured inflation then. And interest rates then increased to 15 to 20%, not today's 3%. 
Paul Volcker, the Fed head then, brought on a severe recession that broke the back of inflation. But the economy then was strong in terms of real growth and full-time employment. Today, we just clawed our way back to 2019's full-time employment level. Despite political pronouncements, we are not in a strong growth economy, and I suspect you all know this quite well. Today, an increase in interest rates to break inflation that would be required would be 10 plus percent, and it would not be possible, in my opinion. It would not be possible without bringing on a depression, as we're already in a recession, in my view. We're all trapped thanks to the mismanagement of the Federal Reserve during the COVID pandemic and the gross overspending of the federal government, which continues through this day. Consider government interest expense averaging about 1.5% on the $30 trillion of current borrowing. That's $450 billion of annual interest expense in the government's $4 trillion total budget. In other words, that's $450 billion of annual interest expense, and it's only, I say, only about 10% of the total budget. Now think about interest rates going up to 9%, which is still lower than required historically to break inflation. 9% would multiply the interest expense from today's average by 6. 6 times $450 billion is almost $3 trillion a year which would eat up most of the entire federal government budget. Imagine what a 9 to 10% plus interest rate would do also to the mortgage market, to real estate prices, to business borrowing and business bankruptcies. This can't happen unless we plan to relive the Great Depression almost 100 years ago. Now imagine the extended damage to stock and bond markets. During the Great Depression, stocks dropped approximately 90, 90%, versus the drop so far this year of only 20 to 30% in the averages. If interest rates remain at present levels, inflation, given the supply chain issues that continue, will continue itself to increase. For example, the beginnings of gasoline meter adjustments are in process. You've likely read this. The revamped gas pumps will allow double-digit gasoline prices per gallon. There are many examples. One of the world's most successful hedge fund managers, Stanley Drunkenmiller, with over 40 years of reading the financial marketplace, is a must if you want a first-hand, very recent appraisal of today's market issues and informed expectations of near-term bond market, stock market, real estate, and Bitcoin prices. Mr. Drunkenmiller has views that deserve your attention. We here have argued that Bitcoin is not an investment and its recent performance or its recent crash demonstrates that high risk. But back to Mr. Drunkenmiller. This link is important. It's an important YouTube conference video and we post the link on the podcast SoundCloud page. I promise you won't be disappointed as there's a lot to learn here. There also is a more formal evaluation of where we are and where we're headed from the perspective of small business. Small business often, if not virtually always, is ignored by the media and also by government spokespeople. I'm going to focus on the National Federation of Independent Business and the NFIB not only signals a recession is imminent, but they point up the importance in small business across the growth of the United States GNP, as well as the employment. I'm going to hit on a couple of data points. First of all, quoting them in a recent report, quote, 
Today we are once again seeing many early warnings. If you have been paying attention to the trend of economic data and the yield curve, the warnings are becoming more pronounced. In 2019, the market warned of a recession five months in advance. Back then, we had five months, but the economy then was growing at more than twice today's official rate. Importantly, the most recent CEO confidence index suggests that most leaders are concerned about the economy, particularly over the next few quarters. It isn't just the leaders of major corporations worrying about the state of the economy. With inflation running above 8%, consumers are much less confident about their own well-being. The latest National Federation of Independent Business Monthly Small Business Survey supports the concern of an imminent economic recession. Let's review a bit about the importance of small business. According to the U.S. Small Business Administration, there are 28.8 million small businesses in the United States, and they have 56.8 million employees. Small businesses, defined as businesses with fewer than 500 employees, account for 99.7% of all businesses in the United States. The largest businesses in the United States, although few in number, account for 65.1 million employees. Small businesses, as I just mentioned, account for 56.8 million, so they're not that different. And headlines usually talk about issues in the large business or the Fortune 500 category. It's important to spend a few minutes understanding the importance of small business as a driver and as the weakest link now in the growth chain for the United States. Simply said, small businesses drive the economy, they drive employment, and they drive wages. And that's according to the NFIB and what they say is highly relevant, what's happening in the actual economy versus the headline economic data from government sources. Two months ago, their survey plunged to 93.2 from a pre-COVID high of 108.8. Historically, a reading below 100 is a recessionary warning. It's also important to note that small business confidence is highly correlated to changes not surprisingly, in small capitalization stocks. And I think everyone listening knows what the stock market has been through since the first of the year. The stock market and the NFIB signals are rising. And another quote by the NFIB, quote, small business owners are struggling to deal with inflation pressures. The labor supply is not responding strongly to small businesses' high wage offers and the impact of inflation has significantly disrupted business operations unquote, by the chief economist Bill Dunkelberg. Notably, the NFIB is a sentiment survey, and sentiment surveys are just that. But tracking sentiment surveys for the past 60-plus years have an amazing correlation with recessions. If small businesses were convinced that the economy was actually improving over the longer term, they would increase capital expenditure plans. However, the NFIB signals just the opposite. The linkage between the economic outlook and capital expenditure plans is confirmation that business owners are concerned about committing capital in an uncertain environment. In other words, they may say they're hopeful about the economy, but they are just unwilling to bet their capital on it. Notably, their current outlook does not support the idea of more robust economic growth into year-end. Of course, the Federal Reserve remains no help 
in instilling confidence in small business owners to deploy capital in the economy. And again, continuing with their chief economist, quote, the Fed announced the rate hike of half a point, followed by a three-quarter percent hike, with more hikes to come in future meetings. Under Paul Volcker, the Fed's rate hit 20%, a long way from where we are today. If historically the Fed's rate needs to be above inflation to be effective, we have a long way to go, and the Fed is way behind the curve, unquote. That certainly isn't going to convince small business owners to commit capital, particularly when they've already been concerned about a recession. Predictions have a recession starting as early as the third quarter. This is the NFIB. Owners are very pessimistic about sales and business conditions in the second half of 2022. This dampens capital investment and eventually will feed into employment if sales actually slow as expected, unquote. And based upon retail sales numbers the past month, sales actually have slowed more than expected. As noted above, the gap between owners' employment expectations and hiring continues to fall. The divergence between expectations and reality can also get seen in actual sales versus expectations of increased sales. Employers don't hire just for the sake of hiring. Employees are one of the highest costs associated with any enterprise. Hiring takes place when there's an expectation of increased demand for a company's product or services. Lastly, despite hopes of continued debt-driven consumption, business owners face actual sales at levels more generally associated with the onset of a recession. With small business optimism waning currently, combined with many broader economic measures, it is not surprising that the NFIB signals many owners are worried about the upcoming recession. We again see many warning signs of an economic downturn. While such doesn't guarantee an economic downturn, it does suggest the risks are markedly higher. As noted, in 2019, the market warned of a recession five months in advance, but back then, pre-COVID, the economy was in a stronger, higher growth position. No one knows the timing of the recognition of the next recession. However, with economic growth, the Fed hiking rates, and inflation weighing on consumers, I suspect we are there now. Maybe the official recession will start several months from now, but effectively, we are there now. The last time the NFIB signals were this week, the government started sending checks to households and the Fed introduced $120 billion in monthly QE. Furthermore, interest rates fell to 0.5% and the Fed scrambled to buy junk bonds exchange-traded funds. This has all changed, 180 degrees. The Federal Reserve cannot control our high inflation without bringing on a severe, long-lasting recession or worse. They cannot control the supply of goods and services by increasing interest rates or decreasing money supply. Not this time. They have no say over clogged ports, no say over closed factories, and certainly no say over Chinese lockdowns and decreased trade. They cannot reverse today's government policies that have made the U.S. dependent once again on oil imports. They cannot reverse sanctions, nor change tariffs or economic relations. Importantly, the Fed cannot rein in excess government spending as government debt continues to ramp up. What can we expect over the next six months to a year? In my view, high inflation, higher interest rates, uptrends in personal and business bankruptcies, unemployment again surfacing as a national issue, even lower stock and bond prices, and a deflationary national real estate market, not in every single market, 
but importantly focused on markets that had the highest increases in the past two years, in my opinion. For educational purposes, I invite our listeners to run through our past podcasts as warnings of this environment were many. And in my view, there were many educational opportunities that will serve to understand future cycles and future impacts. With that, I wish you the very best in the next few weeks and stay healthy, stay wealthy, and stay cognizant of the major trends, please, that we have just discussed. Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director Roger Tornadin. This podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu. We know it's about your life, not just your money.